Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome to Spear Factor Episode 1. I'm your host, Brett Whitman, and today we're going to be talking to South African Spiro Bass DeVos. So let's get going. So let's get started. Um, I guess. How did you get started in spearfishing? So I, um, for for a reason I've never understood. I've always really liked fishing for some reason, or just get, get, like fish in the in the ocean and in the rivers. Saying that's throughout my whole life, I've been very keen on that kind of thing ever since a, a toddler, which has always been very funny because I've never had any. Like, my, my parents aren't interested in fishing. There's no one in my family that's interested in fishing, but somehow that's always appealed to me. But I'm also, I'm not, I'm not exactly the most patient person. So for, for many <laughs> years, I, <laughs> for many years, I did a lot of line fishing for when I was, as a child, which, which I still enjoy and I still do. But it's like, like one day I was probably about, I think I was 14 years old and we were in Mozambique and I was on the beach the whole day like fishing endlessly and not getting any bites or anything like that. And then a guy got in the water next to me, went diving. That was the first time I'd like really seen anyone spearfish. And then like an hour later, after me not having caught anything, he came out of the water with a whole bunch of fish. And kind of at that moment there, I decided, okay, this is, this is clearly the way I've got to go about things if I want to keep enjoying this as a sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's funny because yeah. it's, it's, to me, it's like, I think we all have that moment where we all have kind of a similar thing where we start out like fishing because we just curious about yeah. the ocean and we love it. And then you have that yeah. like epiphany where you either see someone and you're like, wait, or you're impatient. Like I'm the same way. And you're like, uh, yeah. I used to bring, um, you know, I, I always kind of went in the water, but when I knew when it switched over, when I would bring my spear gun out. 
just as an insurance policy because if they weren't biting you go and shoot them because so many times when you're fishing you see them all around and they don't bite you know so, oh, that's, that's the worst yeah yeah so it's yeah. just it's funny to have the same kind of similarities like even in south africa from here <laughs> you know yeah no it's exactly the same thought process you know and yeah. what's so nice what i love about spearfishing is you know well when you're line fishing most of the time you don't know you don't know that there's either two things you either are not catching any fish because there aren't any fish there and you're just completely wasting your time or there are fish there but you're doing something wrong and, and those are two things that unless you can actually see the fish which doesn't happen that often you, you never know what you're doing wrong which i get very frustrated by and at least with spearfishing you know you either there's either fish around and then you're not getting them and that's something that's your own fault and that's like a very tangible thing that you're like okay this is this is what's going wrong and this is what i need to improve it's either that or there are no fish around which is also then all right because then you like you can see that okay there's no fish around but you're still in the water you're still swimming around there's always interesting things to see which is also kind of a nice side to it you know even if you're not shooting things so you never get frustrated in the same way you get with well i never at least get frustrated in the same way i get with line fishing no, that's that's a super. That's a great point because I'm. We talk about it like uh, when I'm in, when I travel to Guam. If you don't get a fish that day, you were basically snorkeling on a coral reef all day, which was pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, which you can complain about. Yeah. It's always nice to get in the water. You never regret it. You know. Oh yeah, at least you got exercise. Yeah. You know. <laughs> worst case scenario. Yes, I got a you got exercise. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So from there, yeah, I, I so I started spearfishing quite young, but then also like by my myself for probably another like until I was about nineteen or eight or twenty or something like that. I was just diving, and every now and again I'd get a friend to come with me. But I never. It was, it was a very long time of me kind of teaching myself what to do, which I think was actually quite a bad thing in, in retrospect. You know, for for many years I. Whenever I would see a fish, you know, you would try like swim as fast as you can and try shoot it, you know, and it really made a big difference um, when I actually started diving with people that knew how to spear fish. And I think that was that was like a big part of the whole change of things, you know. Yeah, I think um, that's uh, that's when I kind of noticed um, things changing where you're in the water and you see the fish and you're trying all these different things. And yeah. You, you know it takes years like it's all just time in the water is what i realize if you spend a lot yeah. of time in the water you're putting yourself in a situation to where you can learn if you yeah. depending on how consistent you go and i guess that's like anything but yeah exactly yeah yeah time in the water but also that time is accelerated when you're diving with people that know what they're doing you know just by watching them you learn what it will take like one session you can learn what would have taken you three or four years to figure out just by kind of mimicking guys that really know what they're doing, you know? Yeah, I feel like we all have that friend that we dive with and that guy just consistently brings home just more fish than anybody. Yeah, so. of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about how we even met to begin with. I'm sure people are like, yeah. how'd this even happen? So... Uh, I guess it was social media. I think you were working for yeah. uh, the camera company that 
I was working with before and you messaged me. Is that what happened? Yeah, I, um, I remember you did a trip to, uh, you were saying that you were going to do a trip to Colombia uh, along a certain part of the Colombia, and we're not going to get into specifics. But, um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, can you tell me about that, that trip that you were going to do? That sounds like some parts of um, Baja used to be probably like 20 years ago even. Um, yeah. The last, you know, obviously progress, but the last 
I don't know, I would say 10 years, it's just really blown up. But there's still a few little diamonds in the rough out there. Um, how is the fish? What kind of fish do you do you see there? So the 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 fish, you know, we are trying to, there are so many different things. It's actually insane. But I guess it's not well. A, a lot of um, there were a lot of bluefin tuna, which was great. But I didn't. I didn't. We couldn't find any particularly big ones. The biggest was uh, ten kilos, which is twenty two pounds. pounds twenty two pounds. I yeah, twenty two pounds. Like that, so nothing, nothing massive, but it definitely had potential, and there was there was some some decent wahoo as well. But then it, for me, it was the the reef fish there were like the the pago, and then you got these the over oh, there now the jacks, and there was some really actually surprisingly quite a lot of rooster fish there, which was really exciting. And yeah, but the the pago was really the ones that kind of screwed me over, but also <laughs> me big time. And also, well, like a. There was one, I got like a, a really, really nice amberjack there as well, which I didn't see a lot of, but every time you did see one of those amberjacks, they were enormous. It was, it was really fantastic. It was wow. just, it was really wonderful diving. Just the, the big struggle there is the, the actual logistics of getting there is, is really difficult. And like getting your, your equipment there is, is not easy because it's like very small planes that take you there. And then once you get there, the, um, the, the fishermen are, are they're, they're happy to take you out and it's, it's not like it's, it's not crazy expensive either but the problem is that they like no one spearfishes there so they don't really have much of a concept of how to um, spot you like to like uh, be on the like how to buggy or I don't know what you guys call it like be the boatman around spearfishermen you know they'll kind of just drop you off on a rock and then leave for an hour and stuff like that and even like my Spanish is it's all right, but the the accents they have down there is just like it's something like I've never heard before. It was so difficult to understand them. It was very I, I don't think they understood a word I said to them either, which is which is difficult. So I think like like I mean it's it's an insanely incredible destination for spearfishing, but like the logistics and the, the that side of it's not easy at all, unfortunately. But I think that's part of the whole process that makes. Um, you know, it's so special is the adventure because you can really shoot fish just about anywhere. But when you have those experiences and you're going through all that stuff and you're trying to figure out how to get, you know, a boat, how to get there, the logistical part, that's what keeps those places so special. But then on the other side, yeah, it's what also makes them the adventure part of it is just that's the best part of it to me. Is 100%. You know, you've like you've made so much effort to get onto those fish. You know, I mean, like I've, I've got nothing against the the charter trips, but like it's something very different about just paying someone a lot of money to like put you on top of a fish rather than you planning it out and you looking at the 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 like underwater maps and thinking, okay, I must go over here, I must go over there, and trying to like work it out yourself. You know, you never you're never going to shoot as many fish as nice a fish, but it is it does have its own satisfaction, definitely. Well, I think that's to me that's what it's all about. I think that's one of the major things that have kind of changed in spearfishing, having spearfished so long, is you see like the commercial side of it, which I totally the same thing. I don't have anything against it, but the special connection you have when with the fish when you hunt it, you put everything you have, like the whole process, and you learn so much at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, 100%. Yeah. No, that, that really is. That is a, that's, 
a whole different kind of satisfaction to the whole thing, definitely, yeah. Yeah. And so then we also, so we did, I did quite a fair amount of diving in Colombia then. We got some really wonderful fish. Um, but then we also did, uh, we went down into Ecuador, which is a very different kind of fishery. But it's, um, it's dogs. Um, but the, um, what's, what's really nice with Ecuador is it's actually got like a fairly big spearfishing culture there. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's a lot of local guys there that dive, and the, the spearfishing there is also absolutely fantastic. But the, the nice thing is that there's so many guys there that are so excited because it's not like a it's not a spearfishing destination. You know, you get very few foreigners who go to Ecuador that are interested to spearfish. Right. So when you go there and you actually show interest there, like I met so many guys, actually mostly through Instagram as well, that are like so excited to show you around and show you the waters and like take you out. And it, like there, it was incredibly cheap to go spearfishing. We would go out um, like eight nautical miles to these old, um, these old like, uh, it was like an abandoned fish farm that was like in deep water. And there were like tons of wahoo and yellowfin tuna and uh, dorado swimming around there. And that would cost us, it was like, $8.50 per person for the day to go out there. It was, it was insane. But it was like on a cheap little, like, standard South American boat, you know? Yeah, like everywhere else in the world, you know? Like those yeah, pandas, exactly, yeah. yeah. How much, yeah, how big were the, world. I'm sorry, how big were the uh, yellowfin? The yellowfin, they weren't, the one guy got one that was around, that was, so that's like 40 pounds. But they do get bigger there. But they, I think it's more like they, I don't think they've really quite figured out the yellowfin. Like, I, like none of those guys like use any chum or anything like that because they're mostly um, they're mostly looking for the the wahoo around there, which are just especially this time of year now. It's the season. They 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 haul them out. If you if you find some of those guys on Instagram and see their catches, it's insane. And the the amberjack they get there also absolutely ridiculous. They they're really lucky there, but. Um, the thing with Ecuador is it's not really like, I think the reason why it's not a spearfishing destination is because it's quite like a, it's a bit of a, a harsh dive. You know, the water isn't that warm. Yeah. It's not cold, but it's not warm either. And it's also the visibility. I mean, when you go to the deeper, like the open ocean places, then it's then it's good. But a lot of the time, the, the vis is quite poor, really. Right. They so have a lot of rivers to run off too. There's a lot of runoff. Yeah. yeah. Big time, yeah. But it's worth it. The, the fisheries there is, is incredible. They've really got like that perfect, um, they're on that line between those two major currents there. You know, you got that, like the Panama current and then the, the one in the south called again. Yeah, I forget now. But, but those. The Chilean yeah, current? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or something like between that. those two. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's really, really fantastic spearfishing there. And, and those guys are so, so nice. So they're like. They'll show you show you all the great spots, and they'll make a big effort to come pick you up from the hotel and drive you to the harbor and like organize the boats. And it was really really great. That's that's another great part of traveling is just meeting all the like minded people like you. You know what I mean? Where yeah. you, your network yeah. just gets wider and wider of cool people. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and it was, it was so nice. Like when we were, when we we're on the boat chatting, like like my Spanish was. It was all right, but obviously it's not like you're not. It's not free flowing conversation. You know, it's still a bit difficult. 
So yeah. it's a bit difficult to communicate with the guys out of the water. But as soon as you get into the water, they know it's so nice. Then you felt like we're all speaking the same language. Then, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was really, really special. It was like we were all just working together as a team. We all knew exactly what to do. That, that was, it was like I was back home diving with my mates. You know, that was, that was really, really nice. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. That's awesome. That's so special, man. Yeah. I just That's like the yeah. universal language, right? When you're in the water. Everybody's, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, funny. Really remarkable. It's funny what you're talking about as far as the two currents coming together because there was a... Sp- <laughs> it's my dog. <laughs> There was a spot I dove recently and it had the most unique species of fish because of that, right? The, the water temp would fluctuate so much where you'd have this uh, yeah. big parrot fish right next to like a um, uh, calico bass or like just whatever like cold, you know, uh-huh. water species we have here. And then there's a puffer fish right now, like right next to it. So you do these drops and you're just kind of like, hey, man, you're not supposed to be here, you know? And like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's so cool to see that. And then, yeah. Yeah, that's meant, yeah. Yeah, we also get that a bit um, here in Cape Town. The city's like on a a bit of a peninsula. And the one, the one side is the like cold Benguela current because it's like kind of at the tip of Africa. The other side's that warm Agalas current. Uh So, so like the, and it's just this kind of like thin that like point that runs out there so it's like on land some of it's like you're like five kilometers away from each other but the one side of the, the peninsula will have like sometimes it goes down to like seven degrees water and then at the same time on the other side it could be like 20 degrees and it's like completely different worlds and you're like actually five kilometers apart but it's like completely different fisheries completely <laughs> different and everything it's quite I think the thing that I love about the ocean is I tell everybody um, I've been, you know, in the water since I was little. But, um, you know, I've been on the I used to have a job where I worked on the water every day and I um, been diving for like, you know, over 20 years or whatever. But the thing that blows me away about the ocean is you could spend your whole life on the ocean and you're still getting first, I call it, where you're getting these first like yeah. first time you've ever done this or the first time you've ever seen this or like yeah, yeah, yeah. it was incredible like yeah, it's uh, completely limitless, right? no. yeah it's that's yeah. the thing that just draws you in about it you just never know what's yeah. going to happen yeah no, 100% yeah which is why it's so great yeah it's so, coming back <laughs> oh yeah so let's um Let's get into, obviously you're in South Africa and the first thing everybody thinks about are great white sharks. <laughs> so <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about yeah. your, um, what the story you told me about the great white shark situation right now. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. Lo- I'd want you to share that with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a very, very interesting story what's happening now. So yeah, like, like in, in Cape Town, like the main bay on the one side is, is called False Bay, which has had, like apparently for many years, it had the highest density of great whites anywhere in the world. And they're, they're really massive whites. And there's, uh, yeah, like, 
And so for, for many years, of course, with spearfishing, that's somewhat of a of an issue, I suppose. And we, we have had quite a few people that um, have been attacked and gone missing and those kind of things. But then, um, and it really, like, limits your diving. You know, you don't, you don't go out and, in, in, like, if you go into any deep water, you are, like, right next to the boats all the time. And it's, it's quite a big issue, of course. And then there's a lot of parts of, of that bay that have um, quite big uh, seal populations. And so around those islands, you can just never dive because there's almost always, on any given day, you'll find like a couple great whites circling around there. Which this, So this was all the case about two or three years ago. And then what happens was all of a sudden, they, they were finding these um, great whites that were washed up on the beaches around Cape Town. And they all had the exact same thing. They had this kind of um, split going down their, their stomach. And it was just like perfect, like it looked like someone had cut it for a while. They thought it was um, like poachers or something like that. And all that was removed from the shark would be the, the spleen of the shark. And then it took a while, but people eventually realized, and they kind of matched up that there were these two orchids that would come into False Bay and some other parts of South Africa. And they've like somehow out of nowhere, like specialized in um, shark hunting. So, and it's only like these two orcas and there's one other part somewhere else in the world that are known to kind of, they apparently, the idea is that they kind of ram the shark until it's kind of semi-concussed and then they flip it over. And like, what's not clear is how they managed to cut open the, the shark's stomach with their teeth. And they cut it open and then because the um, spleen is like where most of the nutrients of the sharks are like well, yeah, all the like i think it's like one third of the the like nutritional content of the shark is all in the spleen so they flip the shark upside down they cut it open and then because the spleen is so full of fats the spleen floats so it kind of pops out of the shark's stomach and then they eat it and then they leave the rest of the shark to float up on the beach which is which is like absolutely remarkable how they know how to do that first of all, but that's caused like a, a massive ecosystem shift in the whole bay now. That there's basically no more sharks. Like as, as far as I'm aware, there hasn't been a shark sighting in False Bay for three years now, or two years, I think it was. Wow. Which is which is like quite incredible, and it has like been made like like now you'll for one we can go spearfishing wherever we want which is amazing it's like really opened up so many so many areas but it's also i mean i still say that with a bit of caution you know at some stage the sharks are going to come back and you don't want to be diving in those spots when they do so it's still you know we're not we're not right. diving everywhere right yeah um are there waves uh, in false bay too like surfing wise or oh yeah yeah, yeah it's actually very we got amazing surf around uh, oh yeah i've heard and then I've actually yeah. heard the same thing happening here off the coast of California, um, but yeah. they they'll eat the liver. It's the same thing. I mean, I guess maybe it's the same. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They just they yeah. eat the bottom half of the shark because that's where all the good stuff is. Yeah, it's all the good. Yeah, it's amazing that they know that. Oh, it's fine. Remarkable. And it's just these two orcas, and the one, the one like on both the orcas, the the fins have kind of flopped over, and there's some like disease related to that, or some like nutrient deficiency. So the one flops over to the left and the other one flops over to the right so the, the two orcas are now quite like well known in Cape Town and they've been given the names um, the one is starboard and the other one's portside because they're of naming the way that they see that's incredible man That those are those first yeah. I was talking about like you just never know 
Although, yeah, exactly, yeah. I think I would rather swim with like a hundred great whites than um, orcas. Than orca. Yeah, I have. You know, yeah. I used to. I used to train dolphins and sea lions um, for like. Really? Yeah, for over ten years, like twelve years, and uh, I got a lot of friends that are killer whale trainers, and you okay. hear stories, you know, and it's just they're so clever, and yeah. and smart. Yeah. Where it's like they're not trying to kill you, but they're gonna grab you by the toe and drag you down just long enough and they'll let you up just mess with you to let wow. you know so it's it, yeah it's it's frightening and I'm like <laughs> yeah. yeah I know I would definitely give them I think I think I would rather dive with an orca though to be honest because at least like in the wild there's been no reported um, orca fatalities I've heard or like or, or like orcas haven't killed any humans in the wild yeah no that's probably a good point they just they're so smart so i I feel like if if an orca wants you it's gonna get you and there's nothing you can do about it even if you're in the boat i think it could take you out if it really wants oh yeah it'll yeah oh absolutely (laughs) yeah it's like our crazy sea lions here sometimes like i was diving with some friends at some islands around here and this sea lion I was convinced he was going to come in the boat and just try to get the fish. I mean, he was trying yeah, to come. I had to like take a boat pole and like beat him off because you yeah, just, yeah. yeah, they're just like, they're smart. They're mammals. They're smart enough too to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get in there. I'll open up, you know, I'll open up the cooler and I'm going to take everything and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh uh, yeah. 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 We've, we've got exactly the same thing here. It's an absolute, and it's gotten worse now that there's no sharks around. The seal population has exploded and they're getting more and more cocky now. It's such a pain. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, it's funny because people don't see that, that don't spend time in the water. They don't see like the whole impact yeah. on, you know, one species or another. And they like to demonize certain things, but it's all part of the oh, system. Yeah. yeah. It's all part of yeah. the system. You know? Knock on effects. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. The seals are a massive problem in Cape Town. Are they really like every the worst when you are fishing from a kayak or something like that you're paddling around and then one seal sees you and you'll just follow you around the whole day and every fish you hook onto he's right there you'll just take it off your line yeah we and have so the same thing yeah. yeah and they're smart yeah. enough to know how to do it you know that's the that's the hard part yeah well i have yeah. one more question yeah. for you bass um yeah. so what favorite piece of gear do you use like do you have a favorite piece of gear talking about that too about um yes. as far as like my friend in, uh, in guam you know shooting big fish everyone thinks like 
large diameter shaft. You got to penetrate. And we were kind of thinking like with a smaller diameter shaft that's powered just right, it's almost like a needle for penetration. Yeah. Yeah. And Rob Allen, it seems like you guys in South Africa really focus on lighter gear that's more precise, I think. Definitely. Yeah. in South Africa with the, the gear that we get here because I like I mean I, I think it's, it's a bit different in the States but all these like we get so, a lot of like Australians and like the, the specialists from New Zealand and all those people they come here and they get like so excited with the, the quality and, the, and how cheap it actually is here and they really, especially with the roller guns and stuff like that I think they've really been making some incredible progress here and quite recently another company called Rabitech has um, launched a a really clever little roller head now that you can convert into to make a inverted roller which i'm in the process of making like a 1.1 meter inverted roller like specifically for the elephant yeah and that, that's something it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of playing around but i really think and i've got some mates that have really like kind of perfected all the band lengths and the diameters and stuff like that which i'm quite excited about which is yeah the same the same kind of thing it's much much smaller diameters and stuff like that but at the same time, I think I, I, I do think there is some merit in a thicker shaft, though, because I think I think you, it is important, and I, I'm not too sure on all the physics, but in, like what I think at least is that you do need like some weight behind the spear to actually Velocity. make it pass through the fish. You know, you, yeah. you need, it needs to have like some weight behind it to slide through. You know. Yeah. So we've been doing actually. Uh, I I've talked to uh, or. Um messaged uh, Dean at Addiction Spears. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but he, he's been necking them down so that it's a narrower tip. But okay. there's all, still, you have this spear with all this weight and velocity behind uh, it. So, wow. yeah, and it's actually, a, a, you know, it's it's pretty smart idea. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, you're traveling through water where there's a lot of resistance. You need that those those lighter spears do have like a, a slower velocity, a terminal velocity than something with a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of physics behind it, and it's very difficult to get all your your head wrapped around it. Often. <laughs> yeah, I just still feel like nothing beats if you can. It's hard when fish are weary. But if you can get yeah. them to come in close, you know, that's the most valuable thing I, I feel like I found in spearfishing is letting them come in close, letting them work, like work the fish and getting them to come in close so you can get yeah. a good shot. Yeah, that, I think, I think, I think you really, yeah, that's, that's such a valid point. You know, that's, that's why I think I, you can get away with such a small gun, you know, like, yeah. I mean, even if it is a roller, it's still got quite like a limited range, right? Especially with the biggest fish that you need that that power to push through them. Um, I really think, yeah, it's so, it's so much down to how, yeah, you coaxing that fish in, you know? Right, right. Yeah, just a lot, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for another hour, man. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is yeah. great. We got to do it again. Um, yeah, yeah, we got to definitely get a link up at some point. But like you said, I mean, in South Africa, it's just... And I kind of say the same thing about here. It's there's so much variety so close by. There's really yeah. no need to travel unless you're going for like a specific world record dog tooth or yes. something. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that is like that. Yeah. Because I mean, for me, it's all about getting like 
It doesn't have to be a world record, but getting fish and just feed coming home and feeding just gives you an, a, another excuse to go out, you know, and spend exactly, time in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. And that is what's so nice about being home as well, is that you actually have the, like, because when you're traveling, you can't, like, freeze them and you can't, like, you don't right. have, like, a nice kitchen to, like, prepare them nicely and that kind of thing, you know, that, that's such a part that you miss out on when you're doing these kind of trips, you know, you just end up giving it all away, which is fine, you know, I mean, people eat it, it's not, it doesn't go to waste, of course, but it's... It doesn't lose an element to it, you know? No, that's a, that's a great point because, like, even my wife, she's never even tasted dog tooth, you know? Because there's just where yeah, you get it, you're so far away, there's no yeah, way yeah. to, you know? So, yeah. yeah. You can't put that in your luggage, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm glad we met and I love yeah. I love the company you work for. Um, yeah. They're, they're yeah. You know, I will say this. I'll give a little plug to your company, like... The camera for the cost of that camera, that yeah. that thing is amazing, and I, exactly. I it really is like. And then now yeah, they have yeah. that new stabilization thing, and you know they're trying to compete with the other yeah. uh, other guy. But man, for a hundred and forty bucks, I mean, yeah. I won't cry yeah. if I lose that camera. You know. Don't worry, I'll send you another one. That's the thing with the 4K. Yeah, everyone says the 4K, but if you don't have any way to process it, it's useless. Yeah, it can be very frustrating trying to edit something for hours and hours in that little circle going around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, Bass. I appreciate your time, man, and I'd love to do it again with you. Yeah, I know. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, awesome. And um, I'll. uh, I'll let you know when I post it up and everything like that. Awesome, yeah. I'm very keen to hear it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. All right, buddy. Yeah, great to chat, man. Good chat with you. All right, bye. Yeah, cheers, man. Cheers. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.